0: Welcome into another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. On this episode, we have Michael Deegan. Michael is currently the head baseball coach at Denison University. We talk about, you know, how do you go about recruiting at Denison, which is a Division III school, knowing who you are, the importance of having values, leadership, building relationships and uh, having, you know, really good conversations with players and coaches and how to find your own voice and how powerful that can be too. Some of the things we also get into, we talk about team bonding, fall ball, how to deal with failure. I think one of the things that I really like, and I've been following Michael online for a while is, you know, he has a newsletter. He puts out great content. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Deegan. And I like that he puts himself out there and on the internet talks about what he values, what he's looking for as a coach at Denison University, and I think it's really cool just to be able to get in, um, you know, just inside access in a way to what a coach is thinking on a daily basis. So if you head to his website, CoachMikeDeegan.com, make sure to sign up for his newsletter. He does a great job putting out awesome content there, and um, something that I look forward to reading too. This episode is brought to you by Driveline Baseball. Driveline Plus is a growing library of the best information on baseball player development. Members will find how-tos on baseball technology and the latest research findings from Driveline's lab, along with inside access to Driveline trainers to make sure you can effectively coach your team. Plus members also get the best discounts that you can find on driveline training gear. Listeners of this podcast can get $25 off their first year of driveline plus using the coupon code Jones25. That's Jones25 for $25 off your first year of driveline plus. Go to com slash plus to learn more. As always, if you have any questions for me about hitting Whether it be working with me remotely, whether it be just questions in general, please reach out jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com if you have any questions, and hopefully I can help. So, ladies and gentlemen, here is my episode with Michael Deegan. All right, we now welcome on Michael Deegan. Michael, appreciate you coming on the show today. Really, really appreciate you having me, Patrick. So, how often have you been getting up at 3 a.m. and joining the 4 a.m. old school crew?
1: <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm a bit of a poser. I, I did it for uh, three months, maybe two months, actually, and now I still train over there, but I can't hang with the 4 a.m. crew. It's just, <laughs> it's just too much. I mean, it's uh, a lot. A lot of it, and, and Corey G. He'll he'll laugh at me when I say this, but a lot of times I got to be on from like 6 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at night. And getting up at three in the morning isn't real conducive to that schedule. Yeah. So what time do those guys go to bed? I mean. I mean, Corey sleeps fast. He'll, he'll say he sleeps fast. So he'll go to bed like around nine, ten. Yeah. Um, and then get up about three, head over. And he lifts for from like four to six, six, six thirty. And then over to the track to do lunges, 800 meters of lunges every day. And uh, <laughs> you know, he always says "It's claim to famous." he doesn't do anything special. He just doesn't miss. And he has a few little tougher words in there, but.
0: Yeah, and that's, his, that's his style, man. That's that's yeah, That's pretty crazy. But I bet that's fun to, to at least do it every once in a while to change up the routine.
1: Yeah, it's been honestly, Patrick, it's been great. Like I, I like I said, I don't go there anymore. They're those guys are competing deadlift and squats. And, and I just I'm just not driven in that capacity. So I'm just trying to stay healthy and fit. Uh, but it's been great. Like you just meet some high achieving people who think a little bit differently. Yeah. You know, I mean, anyone who's willing to get up at that time and be consistent like that. Uh, it's pretty special. So, yeah, there's just really awesome people that come in and out of that gym, whether it's 4 a.m. or noon. So it's a it's a cool place to train.
0: So you, I, I see I've been following you a little bit online for the past uh, a year or so. And It seems like you put out a lot of different types of content. You got a newsletter. You do like, you know, a lot of leadership type of training. I've even seen I believe Corey has even spoken to your team. I thought I saw that at one point, maybe last year, or the year before. Um, what's your vision? Like, what do you what do you what's your ultimate goal?
1: Yeah, you know, that's you know it's it's a really great question, and if I I wish I could be I wish I was a little clearer on that, uh, what my ultimate goal is. Uh, I think at the end of the day I'm a, I'm a coach, you know, I'm a baseball coach, and um, you know I started doing these other things uh, for a lot of reasons. A lot of a lot of it was honestly an outlet for me, where I just I just wanted to start writing and get some of the thoughts that are in my head and and get it on paper and get make me a clear thinker. And then I started sharing. I just think when you put stuff into the universe. Um, it, it's amazing, just probably not that much different than what you do. Um, it's amazing the people you can attract in your life. And so you start finding people who have similar values, similar ways of operating. And so that's where it, it kind of started. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think I have uh, just some ideas on on how to, how to lead, on how to live a, a meaningful life. And I just want to share those. So I don't know if I really have an end game. I, I think it's just, I know um, when when this whole thing ends my time here on earth, I want to know that I gave it my best shot. And right now I feel like sharing content and, and meeting new people and building relationships is just gonna be a big part of that.
0: I think it's yeah, it's fantastic. I wish more coaches were doing what you were doing and sharing content. And I think it just opens up of to what you know head coaches are thinking kind of behind the scenes a little bit versus just kind of hearsay. So you're you're really putting it out there, which I love. I wish more coaches would do that quite honestly, but it is what it is. We just got to, Hey, we'll just have to subscribe to your newsletter and you yeah, know. for now,
1: I'll keep, I'll, I'll keep a corner on the market and, and I'll let you in on a little secret. A lot of it was sorry. It was recruiting too. Um, you know, I, I, we have, we have four young kids. Um, I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to travel and beat the bushes like I used to. And so you try to think of other ways to to connect with people. And I, I thought just being transparent and open, and sharing our story would be a powerful way to recruit. I didn't know how it would work, you know, but I just knew that by putting stuff out there, and I feel like now when people come to me on a recruiting visit to come to our campus, they have an idea of what we're all about, you know, and and I think that helps. One, it helps attract some families and some student athletes, and then also there's a a bit of a bridge between when they come as high school players into college because, I mean, I'm pretty transparent of how we operate. So, um, there is some selfish motives in there for sure, and, and recruiting was one of those.
0: In your opinion, what makes a good leader?
1: I, I think it's some of those words I just said. I mean, I, I think you, when you think about leadership, um, I, I think people who can find their own voice and find their true self, I think, is, is something that's really, really powerful. And, and we can kind of gloss over that statement, but in order to know who you really are, that takes a ton of reflection. So it takes a ton of re- reflection and thinking. And, and I know one of your previous guests, Mike Gervais, talks about it all the time, but there's there's different ways to do that. One is through writing, right? One is through mindfulness, sitting by yourself and and, and spending some time in thought or prayer. And then finally, it's, it's having great conversations and building relationships with wise people. And when you have that kind of background of reflection and trying to get you to know yourself, then you know who, what your values are, right? So once I know what my values are, Then you start attracting people around you. So from a leadership standpoint, if I know who I am, I know who my values are, then I can start kind of communicating that vision, singing it into the world. And then it's amazing the people you attract, right? So I think you know, and then obviously around there's gonna be some kind of shared purpose. Like what are we trying to achieve? And that crystal clear clarity, which I don't have when you ask my my vision, where am I going with this? I don't have that, but I think I do when it comes to, to running our program of trying to think about where we want to go. And then from there, like I said, knowing yourself, we've been able to attract coaches and players that have a similar
0: set of values, and it makes it a lot easier to operate. What if they? What if they don't have similar values?
1: Well, I think that's a that's a really good question, and I think one one I think values are are you know I, I'm I'm pretty flexible within those values, um, meaning like I I know how I operate, and I think what I said earlier about. Uh, being very transparent. The writing I do, if you sit across from me on a visit, um, we talk a lot about these things, like what we value. I say, I've been doing this for probably whatever, eight or nine years now. I would say to every family, I'm probably the only part, coach that's going to talk about this, but I want you to hear the things that we value here. And then I go into it and I say, look, those things, you don't have to buy in completely with this, but if, if they don't resonate in some way, this is probably going to be a bad fit. So we do a really good job. and I just gave myself a pat on the back there of trying to be open and honest and then not and then avoiding that problem that you just described, right? Like if if the values are, if it's if it's a work in progress, it's one thing. But if you're so far unaligned, it, it really just makes for a lot of headbutting and it's just not gonna work out. And' I've, I've said all along, Patrick, that you know, we just want to find good fits for kids. Like, I, I don't, we don't, we don't negatively recruit. I, you can go to a rival of ours. It doesn't really matter to me. We just want to be find find a good fit. So we just try to be as transparent as we possibly can on who we are. And then I think that system has created uh, some synergy in attracting people who want a similar experience.
0: How often do you change your tactics when it comes to uh, coaching your team, right? Based on certain personalities, does that bring out? different a different type of of coaching you and and how you go about saying things or your tone of your voice or anything like that
1: yeah to me that's that's the essence of coaching is what you're what you're describing that's the art you know and you know in baseball we we we, know the data-driven approach has become so 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 paramount and it's it's been great I mean no no one baseball person can deny that guys are throwing harder now they're hitting harder they're faster um you know we're we're um, positioning defenses better from the knowledge we have. So all that, I'm not anti, this isn't a dinosaur comment, but at the end of the day, it's about connecting. and It's about trying to read and feel people and trying to be a people mover, right? As a a mentor of mine says, trying to move people in the right direction. And that's where you're switching your style up, right? Like you're, you're constantly trying to just figure out how we can best impact the team in this individual. So I would say I'm constantly learning i'm constantly reading the room i'm constantly thinking about how can we get the most out of this group so i mean i I would say it's it's yeah i mean we're definitely not a program that's that's fixed in stone i mean we're trying to to move and shake and and change just about everything we do outside of the values right we try to keep those those core values at our essence and then the communication everything else we try to we try to switch up and be as effective as we can
0: Yeah, I mean, when this episode airs, let's see, a couple weeks ago, I guess we'll pretend like we're going back in time, is, you know, had Joe Ferraro on, what technically, or as we're recording this, is this week's episode, but one of the things that I was thinking about when we were doing the episode is, like, you know, you really don't see, you see all these coaching clinics and all this type of stuff for the new technology and how the body moves and all this stuff with that, but you don't really see much for just how to communicate and, like, how to actually connect and, like, the longer I coach and at various levels, I've been lucky enough, you know, professional all the way down to youth. It's, it's the most important thing. It's like, it's literally the most important thing and we're not talking a ton about it. So that's why I thought it'd be like so much fun to have, you know, someone like yourself on and like Joe on and things like that to help start pushing that message out a little bit more because it's so important. I mean,
1: it it, it really is. And it, and it can come off, you know, people talk about, you know, soft skills and, Boy, that's that's really a, a derogatory term. You know, I, I've heard people refer to them like like words like collaboration, like words like humility. Um, those things are actually like strong skills. Those are things that actually make you an, an effective coach and an effective communicator and an effective leader, right? I think those are those those are those things that sometimes we gloss over and we want it, to. It's much easier to be able to show someone how they've improved their exit velocity, right? It's it's an easier conversation to say, hey, you went from 90 miles an hour to 95 miles an hour. Like that's, that's, but it's really tough on some, in some of those other ways that we're talking about. So I think we tend to shy away from that, right? We want to show improvement and it's much easier to do with metrics than it is with some of these other things. But, um, yeah, I think if you want to be an effective leader, effective coach, end of the day, can going to be about moving people forward. And yeah. that's where you have to use those skills that, that Joe is, is so, so special with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you can't quantify it, it seems that, some people just kind of ignore it, but I hope I'm praying that 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 turns around a little bit. And I think it, I think it is. I think yeah. it is. I think every I think everyone's like anything's, Everything's a
1: balancing act right now. I think we needed that shift, right? We needed the shift from baseball being a little bit archaic to you know where we are now. But I think people are also now realizing just what you said that you yeah. know, you're coaching human beings, and and human beings have problems and. It's not input equals output, right? Like there's there's all kinds of things that come along with that. So I do think we're starting to see a shift, and just like anything else, we tend to we tend to to balance out over time. So I, I think the game's in a great place, and and I'm I personally am so thankful for some of that technology that's come along because I think um, you know I, I've seen great jumps in in our players from it. So um, I'm definitely someone that embraces it, but I also understand like, and, and a lot of it too. Patrick is where my skill set lies. Like yes. my skill set lies yes. in, in in that other area. So I tend to lean into that.
0: I got a, I got a, a interesting question for you. All right. Especially since you're a head coach. When I was, we were talking about Googans. Scott Guggins is now head coach at the University of Cincinnati. I played for him at Xavier. Each year when I was at Xavier, he was a head coach. We would have hell week. And I know this is like frowned upon now. I, I God forbid you do this online and, and say something about it. And from a physiological standpoint, it doesn't probably make a ton of sense, right? Because you're not running sprints and all that stuff. But the years that I finished that, well, the first year I didn't. But the rest of the years where I finished that, like I, I was such a more confident person and player because I knew I completed that thing and I, I had worked hard for it and all this stuff. And yeah, I didn't make my 60 time any faster, but it made me a better baseball player because I became more confident because I achieved that. What's your take on, on the hell week type of training? Cause I, I kind of think there's actually um, some merit to it.
1: Yeah. You're, 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 uh, you're speaking my language and, and I can hear your internal wrestling match just like we all have. Um, yeah, like I came, you know, I played at Marietta college in late nineties, early two thousands. And, you know, we ran like we ran, it was like, um, just distance runs, like you go out on the road and run and it makes no sense baseball wise. Right. There's no, we we now know science shows that it's not going to make you a better baseball player, but boy, I'll tell you, there were, there were times where, you know, you would, you would rally upon those, what you put your body through um, and it, it, helped become a galvanizing force for a team. Um, and I think that's a lot of it too. I, I where I, am always concerned and I, I have to watch what I say here because, you know, if it, you know, on social media, you get killed for it because, you know, never run a foul pole, never, um, I, I, I don't know. I just, I think sometimes we're, we're, you know, if you're going to train Mike Trout, that's probably a bad idea. Um, you know, a finished guy, someone who's close to the finished product. But at, at a young age, sometimes you you know you're, you're you're building a little bit of resilience. You're building a bit of uh, of mental toughness. Of of there's something about taking a, a run that, uh, and I see elite pitchers do it too. I'm, I'm not, I i do not want to quote, but I remember I think it was I think it was Scherzer I saw. But anyways, some people just like it to just just to go, and it helps with their mental state as well. So um, we don't we don't do any of that anymore. I think there's just I think I'm just concerned with pushback and liability that that's probably not worth it for us. Um, but I am with you in the fact that I still have a, I have an internal wrestling match with it. When I see people say, never, this is so stupid. I'm like, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I think there's some people that, that really credit some of their, their toughness, their inner fortitude and, um, to some of those things. So I like I said, I I'm, I'm, I'm aligned with you perfectly. I know it doesn't make
0: sense. But boy, I miss some of that stuff as yeah, well. That's I, I really do too. I just I remember the feeling of accomplishing it. And uh man, it was just as an
1: individual a- and as a friend. And look, there's as as a uh, as a teammate, I think there's look, there's something about you know, uh playing baseball at Marietta College where you ran up and down Euclid Hill five times and there's a bond. Like anyone who's played four years there, you you kind of look at, at each other and go, We did something that they didn't do, right? It's like yeah. the four a.m. crew. You don't need to lift at 4 a.m. but there's something that you you move a little bit differently when you were up at three and you got your workout in and you're driving home and it's still dark and you got your shower and the rest of the world's still sleeping and you've done all this. Like there's an advantage. Now, yeah, people can say sleep's more important. We you know, we can go to ad nauseum with this, but I do think as an individual, yes. And there's also this like. I don't know. It's uh, a lineage, a legacy that we're a little, we're a little different than everybody else. Like yeah, yeah. we know things that you don't know. And I think right. there's something powerful about that.
0: What about a uh, team bonding and you know that type of a thing? I mean, is that something that you put an emphasis on or put together like some sort of like activity to help with that? Or is that something that's just more organic?
1: For me, it's organic. I, I think there are there are ways. Like I mean, there are ways with that that team bonding. People do a great job with. Um, I I I just speak for us that at the core, uh, I would say I always tell our our guys this. But our greatest competitive advantage, we think, is our relationships and the joy that we try to play with. Right. That's that's kind of that's kind of our thing. So if if I make that statement, then then team bonding, team chemistry have to be really important. So it, it is organic. It's 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 the way we move and operate in meetings. Like we do a lot of a small group work when we're trying to work out on a problem, um, trying to pass uh, the the authority or decision making from a coaching staff to the players. Like we're really trying to get combine. But that's our form of team bonding. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. trying to whatever, you know, whatever, trying to solve some problem as a team. We don't we don't do a whole lot of that. And once again, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just how we, we don't choose to operate that way. But I would say that the relationships, the chemistry is something that, you know, me as the head coach, I'm constantly trying to create those moments where we can build on those, on those things.
0: What what does your guys' fall, for example, look like? Like fall ball guys start rolling in. I, is there uh have you, I assume that it's changed a little bit over time with player development and some of the other things you now are know about, but like, what does fall ball look like for you guys?
1: Yeah. So one of the, one of the, the biggest limitations of small school division three baseball is our exposure to our athletes. So we only get 16 days in the fall as, as the rule oh, currently wow. sits. We're hoping that switches here pretty soon. Um, fingers crossed. I think it's, it's a rule that needs to change, but, but for us, for our 16 days, uh, we're going to play on, we're going to play probably three of those four. We, and we're going to play three of the four days of the week. We get four days a week and we're going to play usually double headers on three of those four days. Um, here's, here's my thing, Patrick. I, I I think the the lowest hanging fruit for us is, is teaching winning baseball. And, and once again, I'm going to get killed for this, but, Uh, I feel like kids come to us now they're they they have a hitting coach they have a pitching coach they have a strength coach and that's great and I almost view those people now as subcontractors for us like those like the 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 people that do individual hitting lessons like someone like yourself you know you guys you know way more than I do now like your your hours your reps like that's so they come to us with the knowledge of their swing now where we can help them is on how to play the game of baseball and I don't mean that condescendingly I just the, the, the format has changed now where it's heavy instruction, it's heavy um tournament baseball, it's exposure showcases. So the first time a kid gets picked off down four runs in the ninth inning and they look at and I, and I blow a gasket and they look at me like I'm crazy, like that's that's a big teachable moment for us, right? Like how to go first to third, when to go first to third, you know, what what does no doubles defense look like? What you know how do we how we position ourselves, how we function as a team. That's where we spend ninety percent of our time in the fall. Now the player de- development piece is all structured off of that, to me. Like so, we're going to see how they perform in a game, and how they, how, how, what the game tells us about their mechanics and that type of thing, and then we try to think about their off-season plan. And they have to do that work without us around. That's that's where, like I said, like subcontracting comes in. You know, because when our sixteen days are up, we don't touch them. That's so, crazy. Yeah. I mean, they can do strength and conditioning with us. We have some things like that, but the actual batting balls, we don't get to touch them a whole lot. So for us, it's how do you play winning baseball? My last thing about this, and I'll get on a soapbox here for a second, but I think sometimes constraints can help you. So when you have those constraints, you're okay. Like we got to, we got to figure out in 16 days. So we don't waste a whole lot of time, like in a cage working on tee work or whatever. That's like, no, that's, that's a lower And but I do think that I think I do think that emphasis on winning baseball is so important because I hear about it at every level. I talked to my my friends who are in pro baseball. They say guys just don't know how to, they don't know how to do certain things now, right? And so I think it's universal, but because of the constraints, it makes us focus on us at a really high level.
0: Yeah. And I think even just from a, a hitting standpoint, it's you know, remember this this past season, like what I would sometimes do is I would just screen record an at bat of and cut it up of an MLB hitter and be like a really I would always make sure it'd be like a really good one and I would show an ugly at bat where like they took terrible swings they were just battling left right. and right and I think that's such a important part of of what you're talking about where it's like okay can you go up to the plate and compete and foul off pitches and take close pitches and work the count and and get maybe get screwed on one bad call during the at bat but still compete and fight and find a way. I mean, I don't know if you can really quantify that, but I mean, that's such an important part of, of a baseball.
1: <laughs> I, I'm honestly, I, I'm not, I, I'm not, everyone has their, I, I, I have a little bit, I have somewhat of a peek behind the curtain, but I don't know what goes on in pro ball or, but I'm almost amazed that we still call them, you know, hitting coordinators and things. I, I can't believe it's not an offensive coordinator. I, I almost, it's almost like hard for me to get my head around that. We, all we talk about is hitting like it's, it's it, it's how do you score runs right how yeah. do you and and I understand that hitting the ball harder and and higher is like the is, is probably where you're spending the majority of your time like I'm not I'm not refuting that but if I, I I don't know I just I'm just a fan of the game and I watch high leverage games and things do happen like bunts do occur uh giving yourself into a situation with a bat does occur so I just can't for the life of me understand why we don't spend more time at least considering how we want to train that at at a lower level. Like it just, it's something that there's a gap there for me that once again, there's some smarter people that could probably um, change my mind. But for right now, I'm like, I, I don't know. Like it's, it's, it's an offensive coordinator. It's not a, it's not a hitting It's, it's you're you're trying to to manipulate an offense to score at a high level. And so, yeah, and and very rarely is a bat in, in an isolation, meaning it changes if you're leading off down three runs or if you're, you know, got runners on first and second and you're down two runs or whatever, like, like it all changes, but we don't train that way a whole lot. And and we've gotten so much better with machines and, and trying to, you know, create a little bit more chaos in those environments. But I still think we're, we're still a little bit, a little bit off of where we need to be.
0: I think so too. And I, I hear it. I definitely hear what you're saying. Like no question about it. I think you know for me it's it's dealing with failure and it's like mm-hmm. the guys who can go oh for three with three strikeouts to start out the game and that fourth at bat they're still gonna compete and they're still gonna like somehow find a way to get a good at bat versus the guy who just like he's mentally done for the day because he didn't get yeah. to hit his first two abs i know that sounds very elementary and simple but I see I've seen it time and time again with even in, at the professional game. And it's just the, the best players. They stay right here. They just yeah. do no matter what. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you guys talk with that with your guys about like dealing with that kind of stuff and competing and that, and that type of nature? Oh, yeah, I think we
1: all do. I don't I don't know if we have a great recipe for it. I mean, I, I think I, I think maybe at the core of what I'm trying to articulate is at the end of the day, baseball is a game. It's a game, like it's it's not that much different than ping pong or capture the flag or whatever, right? So, I think you know what you're describing. Over three, then you come with your fourth at bat, and how do you respond? Like it's it's if, if you keep it in the game context, like in the game, like okay, like what's the game demand of me right now? Like that's like that's in the essence of what we're trying to create and. And so, you know, once again, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying, I'm going the, I'm going the opposite. We we're, we're, we're probably one of the first small schools to to use driveline and a lot of things. So we, we, you know, we're, we're open to, to technology and change. I, but I still think at the core though, sometimes we're, we miss the fact that this is a game, it's a game. And, and that's why that word competitor, people love saw like guy's a competitor, or a multi-sport athlete or whatever. But usually what they're referring to is someone who's playing the game, like who's, Who's playing against the game, not just trying to get a hit or to get a strikeout or to hit a number. It's there's a game being presented. How can I win today, and what do I need to do? So, um, anyways, it, it's a fun topic for sure. It's just, and I don't have the answer. I just, I just think it's it's something that you always emphasize to your players that it is a game yeah. you're trying to win. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I was listening to I forget who I think it was maybe Josh Donaldson I think uh, not that long ago on. Uh podcast somewhere. And one of the things, this is interesting because it came from him, someone who's more flashy and you would think just more so thinks about him. And he was because he was an up and down guy in the minor leagues for a long time. And he said everything changed for him as a player. And he became uh the bringer of rain, if you will. When once he came to the started coming to the park, and every day it wasn't about him getting hits, it was about like what's one thing I can do to help the team. Yeah. One thing, I, and that's like, and you think about that, and it's it takes the pressure off of you, right? So you're not thinking about yourself anymore. You're you're statistically probably gonna play actually better by not by removing yourself, and you are gonna help the team out even more because you're playing better. So I think that's a, a another way of just looking at it is, like, even if it's just like being the bad boy for the day. I mean, there's so many different ways. You're gonna have so much more fun, and you're gonna help out the team. Yeah, you know there's you know there's a phrase that
1: that Pat Murphy, the Alabama softball coach, has become a good friend of mine. And the, the word mudita, which is vicarious joy, can be happy for other success. And but anyways, so we preach. One of our values is mudita, but there's there's a selfish component to it, and it's exactly what you're describing. If I pour myself into others, if I pour myself into the team, it frees me up right like i i think about it from like a basketball standpoint i was i like basketball a heck of a lot more than like baseball as a kid and i was if i got a rebound early if i got physical and got blocked out grabbed the rebound and let the game just kind of got into the flow of the game i was a much better shooter and scorer right like i it was but if i just think about hey i got to get a shot off here or, i got to make a three that's a whole different way and it's the same thing that that donaldson and and you know we're kind of getting to is that if i can pour myself into the team, it frees me up and allows me to just play, right? And try to contribute to the win. Um, But I, I love that and I appreciate you sharing that. And I think it's so, so
0: true. When it comes to, I, I do want to talk a little bit about recruiting, especially, you know, being like a small college, like what exactly you guys are looking for? Like, how do you go about the recruiting process, Um, being like a, at, a, at a small school? Do you wait for guys to, they're a junior or senior and then start talking? Like, how does it take me through what you guys do?
1: Yeah, we're much later. Right. That's kind of the biggest thing. So, uh, you know, you hear, you know, the at the higher levels, you're seeing the, the signings before kids even play a high school game. And that's not us. Like we we usually turn our attention to um, right around the, the, the spring of their junior year is when we start getting because for a lot of it is is, is most kids have aspirations of playing at a higher level. And they should. Right. Um, but then so for us, it's more, you know, second, like right now, like right now, we start turning our attention to, to the, the junior class. And then this summer we really start trying to focus in. Um, for us, it's it has to start with academics. Like Again, that's not lip service. They have to have certain grade requirements. Like our average ACT is right around a 28, wow. uh, GPA is right around a 3.6. So it's they got to have that. Like that's got to be a part of it. And then there has to be a skill set that that matches the the type of play that we want to be able to play. So that skill set doesn't have to be there yet, but that word projection. Like we have to look and say. Hey, we want to, we want to play on a national level. Can this kid, does this kid have the skills that it would take to play on a national level? So those are kind of your foundational things. But from there, a lot of it for me is, and, and it's not, this isn't, once again, this isn't just coach speak, but you know how they, they like to win. They, like, they play winning baseball. Are they a great teammate? Um, you know, can, can you get a sense that they really enjoy playing the game or are they going to a dentist chair are they playing baseball? You know, I think yeah. those are the type of things that that you look for. And I don't want to, you know, those are those are the higher level things. But I also don't want to gloss over the fact that you have to have good grades. And you have to be pretty skilled to do it. And then those other things are really icing on the cake. And and, you know, if I could, you know, give any recommendation or thought is I, I do think leaning in a, a bit more on character than talent is really, really important. Um, I can't tell you how many guys that over the years that the the, the the big recruit the one that we think is going to be the great player doesn't play very long or doesn't end up being that great and some kid that maybe you undervalued end up be- ends up becoming really good because the one thing that we can't really determine is how important it's going to stay to a kid like how like how because you know that I mean if, if they're willing to if they have a baseline and they they're willing to stick with it and get better and get better and get better, um, man, you know, you don't really want to put a ceiling on a kid that can that in that
0: in that regard. Well, it helps out your current team so much more too in that in that chemistry aspect of it. I remember, you know this past year we had a, a Jordan, I, I won't say his name actually, but well, we had a particular player, one of our, our prospects, and he he was the leader. and I at the time I didn't really even like really know it. Until he got promoted to high A, and then it stuck out like a sore thumb. It was like, whoa, we don't have, like, this is crazy. We don't have our, our leader in there. Like, nobody's talking. Even just simple stuff, like the trash wasn't being picked up after the game. Things like that, where it's like, man, this is why it, it is. Like, we were talking about, like, how important character is and how important, like, all that stuff is huge to winning baseball, like you're saying, you know? It doesn't, it's not on a stat sheet anywhere, but it is, it does show up. Well, you can feel it, can't you? I mean, yeah. you can,
1: all those things you described—you can feel it, and that's and that's the. I saw a John Wooden quote, quote the other day. I think it was from the book Legacy. Our seniors read Legacy over the break, and I'm kind of staying up to speed with it. And it was a John Wooden quote where it said, um, a, "A player, a, a player who makes others great is much better than a great player." So I mean, something, something. I, I butch that yeah. a little bit, but like that person who can make others great is going to help your team a lot more than just a great player. And I, I realized a long time ago, you know, that it's it's much easier to be a great player on a bad or average team than it is to just be a solid contributor on a really good team, right? Because if I'm if – I'm just going for myself then. Like, if I, you know, you can do that. You can have a high batting average on a team that goes five games below 500. But to be on a team where every at-bat matters and you got to give yourself up sometimes – you got to sit sometimes. There's internal competition. That's really hard. But the ones who can really thrive, I think, are the ones that are special. You know, so I do think leaning into that character, that DNA, and and there's no quite exact recipe for that. Other than that, is some feel and some intangibles. I do think that's a really really important part of all this.
0: Well, it's the Derek Jeter effect. I mean, you see this on it time does. with the everyone rips on him. Oh, his defense was so bad, this or that. He, you know, yeah, you know what? Maybe it was, but man, that guy earned his money by making everyone around him better. And I talked to our, the manager I was with this past year. His name is Dave Anderson. And uh, the All-Star Game, he was with Jeter. And he was, he was a third-base coach for the Rangers. And he said, like, he is the nicest guy like you would ever meet in your life. He goes, I have one jersey hung up in my house. I've been in professional baseball for 30 years. It's Derek Jeter's jersey. And so it's just, you hear these stories time and time again. He makes everyone better.
1: It never ends. Does it? I've heard two Derek Jeter stories the same way. A guy like you know, guy in a spring training call up, and he pinched, he pinch ran, and Derek Jeter goes, "Hey, Matt, how are you doing?" He's like, "Derek Jeter knew my name." Like I'm, you know, I, yeah. But anyways, I I I think that's so true. And the other thing about Jeter, you know, and, and as we're as we're talking about this last night was Ben Roethlisberger's last home football game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, they the most amazing stat of last night to me was. Ben over 18 years of his career had played in two games that didn't have any meaning that like they were out of the race. So wow. two games, in 18 years, like, think about that. That's amazing. Jeter's under that same breath. Like how many games did Jared, Derek Jeter play where they weren't in a pennant race and you really can't quantify the type of pressure and how that changes you as a player, right? Like it, it's a little bit easier to hit in September. I would imagine. I never, I never play at that level. To hit in September when you're out of the race, right? Like you're, yeah. but whenever every, you know, you're on ESPN and the, and, the, and the cameras are on you all the time and you go for four and they're talking about it. And, like, that's really hard. So for Jeter to do that year in year out and, and win and win and win to me, that's, that's something special. And I appreciate that story. Cause I've heard that multiple times. Like how can this fierce competitor be such a great, nice guy? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, right. I know. It, yeah. It almost awesome.
0: doesn't add up right. From what we, what we're told. What, how many times would you say you watch a kid? Play before you offer him
1: oh for I mean once again now for us we don't have scholarships so we offer roster spots right it varies it varies and and, and I, you know I have a great assistant coach now Ryan Romick who handles the majority of our recruiting um before that we had again Kyle Lindquist who's now with the Cleveland Indians that did a lot of our recruiting so I, I really lean on those guys they they um you know it would be it would be completely arrogant of me to, to try to go in there and make decisions I think they know what our program's all about um, they can get a sense, uh, from, like I said, like the skills standpoint, I, I it's, it's amazing. I don't mean this arrogantly, but when you do this for a lot of years and all you do is watch baseball, you can get a pretty, I call it thin slicing. You can get a pretty good sense in a hurry, uh, of what kind of skills they have. Now, my, once I'm giving my secrets away, a big secrets coming your way for me, I just rely on people I trust, mm-hmm. like more than, more than anything. You know, I think over the years I, I've, we've created relationships in different pockets. We're a national program. We have different people who I really rely on um, because the skill matters. Yeah, but me going with my stopwatch and watching a few games and getting them up the line and making it, it's one thing. But when I know someone who has them day in and day out, and they go, "Mike, this is a guy for you," I, I'm, I'm sold. Our, our best, one of our best players right now is a guy I never saw. I really trust his high school coach, and anyways, and and I think you know, uh, it, it's kind of spoken for for itself of, of the relationship there. But anyways, I, I don't. We're not. So I don't. I, I don't have a number for you. I yeah. think it's a lot of a gut and feel. And once again, I'm and in fairness, I'm not holding a scholarship either. I'm not saying yeah this is worth fifty percent of a scholarship or whatnot. It's, so for us, it's going to be a lot of of trusting, really trusting, really great baseball people throughout the country to give us recommendations. What are your thoughts on goal setting for your team? You know, I think goal setting's light. I, I, I'm not a big goal setter. I, I was, bit, I was a little bit as a player. Uh, for us, it's a lot of shared purpose. You know, it's a shared purpose, and that that's kind of what we try to we try to go around is is that is is you know who do we want to be uh, from a value standpoint? Our values are going to drive us. We're a values driven program uh, around a shared purpose, and so that's what we talk a lot about. Um, we don't really have a goal in mind. I mean, we know what we aspire to be from a purpose standpoint and really everything drives us from there. Um, and so, no, we don't have like win loss goals or anything like that. And and I feel very coach speak speakish when I say this, but it's really just, can we be the, can we get to the best version of ourselves? Mm-hmm. Um, I've done this long enough where, you know, I've, I've at Marietta, we won three national championship while I was there as an assistant coach and, had some success. And and I think you get to a point where those external factors play so much of a factor in the results. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. there's for the good and the bad, like, you know, you get a break or you, I don't want to, I don't want to have my identity tied to results. I want to have it tied to us living our values, trying to become the best program we can possibly become. And if we do that, I and I mean this from my heart, Patrick, I can put my head on a pillow at night and go we gave it a, we gave it a whirl, you
0: know, and then we'll
1: recalibrate and see how we can do better in the future. But um, that's where we spend most of our time, not really on goal setting.
0: Yeah. I love that answer. That's it. And it makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of things outside of your control when it comes to wins and losses and geez, I mean, that's a whole nother episode in and of itself.
1: (laughs) It it, it really is. And, And, and I, and sometimes when I say that, I almost, you probably can hear my voice. I kind of pause because I think we're, yeah, I mean, we're, it's a results driven business in some ways, you know, but I don't know. I hope that doesn't make me sound like less of a competitor or anything like that. It's not meant to be that way. I think we're pretty competitive people here, but I just don't want to live that way. I just I just I just don't. You know, there's there's so many factors, especially at the small school level. There's, you know, yeah, I mean, we're, we're very academically driven, so we we don't get as much time on the field as some other places. So but but can we be the best version within the parameters we have? Can we do the most we possibly can there? If we tap that out, I'll feel pretty good.
0: Michael, just specifically as a coach yourself, like you specifically, what's one thing over your entire coaching career that like you look back, you're like, ah, I wish I, I probably shouldn't have done that. And maybe, uh, maybe that's a bad question. In the no, sense no, it's not I, a bad question. Okay. Cause like, you, were, yeah.
1: I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer for one thing. I, I would say like when I first started head coaching, I, I think it, it took me a little while to come into myself meaning I, I played for um a legend i played for a guy who's division 3 coach of the century and it, it, it was a whole different time back then. i mean he he wrote he had a lot to do with writing the the, the collegiate rule, the rule book and i mean he was he was the guy right and but he was really a uh, very 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 disciplinary and you know authoritative person coach brewer is that married now is not is not like is not like coach shally was but he's a much more aggressive guy he's from baltimore city you know, and I almost felt like I had this blueprint for what success looks like. And there was no arguing it, right? Like the wins of that program jump out. Um, but it wasn't me. And I think if I if I could give anybody advice, I think you see that a lot of times, like with Bill Belichick assistance, right? Like you oh, go yeah. on, you try you try to be Bill Belichick somewhere. It's not like you gotta go be you into that new context, that new environment. So I think if I I don't want to say it's a regret, I think I had to go through some things, I had to go through a transformation. But at some point, you got to lean into like it, 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 kind of right where we started with what being a good leader is. You have to do that internal work and say, OK, who am I? Like, What do I value? And then from there, you can show up as your best self every day. And I don't know if I did that early on. I think I was trying to be something that I thought you were supposed to be as a coach. And it's freed me up in a lot of ways, Patrick. A coach isn't supposed to write and share, and share a blog, right? Like a <laughs> coach isn't supposed to like, like all these things that I do. They, they they can get made fun of by baseball people. I I have my you my my air quotes here if you're if you're listening, um, but I don't care because that's who I am, you know, and it, it's allowed me to live a little bit freer, coach a little bit freer, and lead a little bit freer.
0: Well, Michael, I hope you I hope you never stop doing uh, the newsletter and and blogging that thing. I think it just it's so cool, and I think it's really good for the game, honestly, of baseball. Just to as I said earlier, just get some insight into what a, a head coach is thinking and going on through your mind and just the inside look at your program. I think it's, I mean, I can tell you, I'll never say anything. I'll, I'll continue to hype it up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Appreciate it. And, and, I, and here's, and here's the other big head fake with it, Patrick, is that because of doing that I've met people like you and yeah. other people who, um, yeah, you, when you put your ideas out there, people will poke holes in them. Right. Yeah. Like that's yeah. the other thing. Like that's, that's, that, that's the, to me, like if I, I didn't know this was going to be the case, but by sharing my thoughts, it's exposed me and it's opened me up. And I've, I, I've been vulnerable. So then people will get vulnerable with me and they'll share. Right. And so, um, yeah, I, I maybe have the, the courage to write the first thing and put it out there, but then the response I get is, is amazing. And by response, I don't mean people tell me great job. I'm saying the response and saying, Hey, have you read this? You ought to think of this. Uh, I don't love what you wrote there and, and it challenges my line of thinking. So, it's made me a lifelong learner, like where, and I can tell you're this way as well. Like where everything I see, I'm, I'm looking going like, how can I apply this to my leadership, to our team, to our culture, like everything, everything. I just had an interaction with our garbage people a couple minutes ago. They're working their tails off. And I meant like, I was thinking, wow, like, how do you create that? How do you create that energy that those two, that those two men were bringing, getting on and off the truck. But anyways, like, That's where my mind goes. And it's all from sharing. Right. Like, so it's not me saying, I know, I know everything. It's me going, this is what I'm thinking today. Yeah. And then now tell me what you think. Right. So
0: anyways, uh, that's just all part of it. That's fantastic. I, you know, I feel like you were speaking to me because I've had those same thoughts before when I've put stuff out on social media and, and people have said stuff and I've thought, you know, should I put this out? I don't know if it's right or not, And the answer is always yes, because someone may tell me it's not. And then I got better. I got better. And I helped. I can help out a player even more now.
1: No, that's right. You don't. I I don't want to be right. I I don't I don't I'd I'd rather be exposed now than to have some to hold on to some idea, some belief for five or 10 years and find out later that I've been you know, I'd rather be challenged now today and uh, then then to wait and be wrong all these years right, right so right yeah i, I think that's kind of that humility piece and throwing your ego out the door and just saying oh no no it's it's all learning experience for me that's it yeah
0: so awesome keep michael this uh been, been a pleasure man it's been so much fun i'm so happy we got to connect and uh you know i know you said you're thinking about maybe doing something over the summer i hope hope you do and hopefully you know i would love to come but i uh, appreciate you coming on and sharing sharing your wisdom and uh, your experience as a, as a coach and as a leader.
1: I appreciate you, Patrick. And it's been fun watching your journey. It's, it's fun having this conversation. Now I've heard some of your earlier podcasts, you're so much sharper, so much crisper and you're doing great things as well. So thank you. I
0: appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Patrick Jones baseball. If you haven't make sure to head to my website, Patrick Jones and sign up for our email list. I have a free video on how to help hitters be on time at the plate If you just head to PatrickJonesBaseball.com, it'll pop up there. Put in your name and email. The video will be sent right to you. Hope everyone has a great week, and we'll see everyone next time.